G'day, America. Welcome to the Carter Report. Thanks for joining us. This is a great land of freedom. Everybody's got a Bible, and we've got great opportunities of understanding this book. It hasn't always been so. Bible prophets also teach it's not always going to be so. The Bible prophets say that this book is going to be suppressed in the last days. Who is going to do the suppressing? I'm going to tell you in this program. The Carter Report investigates the mysteries of the past as it seeks to interpret amazing predictions concerning our future. John Carter, scholar, writer, and traveler, invites you to join him as he unlocks mankind's most valuable treasure. Matthew chapter 13, verse 39, verse 40. Are you ready to go? Jesus said, the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is when? Yeah, that's great. You are a magnificent audience for response. You really are. Jesus said, the harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be, when, friend? At the end of the age. This term, the end of the age or the end of the world, did not originate with this mad nuclear age. It is as old as the Bible. The Bible talks about the last day, and it also talks about the end of the age. Would you please come over now to page 959 to Matthew 24, verse 14, page 959, Matthew 24, verse 15. Matthew 24, verse, verse 14 will do. Verse 14. Matthew 24 and verse 14. And here Jesus once again is talking about the end of the age. Okay, Jesus said, This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Jesus spoke about the end. And Jesus said that before the end came, Jesus said the gospel was going to be preached to all, A-double-L, all the nations. Now, what does this word mean, the gospel? Yes, the gospel is the Greek word that simply means the good news. And as we said the other night, what is the good news anyhow? The good news is this, God loves you. God made you. God made you, my friend. He made you as a human being. He didn't make you as a machine. And He didn't make you as an animal. God made you. And not only did God make you, but when you and I went astray, God redeemed you through His Son, Jesus Christ. That is the good news. The good news is that we have been redeemed through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's good news, isn't it? And there is some more good news. The good news is that sin is not going to go on forever and ever and ever. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is going to come again and He's going to bring an end to sin and He's going to bring in heaven upon this earth. Now, we talked about that last night, didn't we? Now, that is the good news. 
Jesus said, the gospel, the good news is going to be preached in all the world, then the end is going to come. There's more good news than that good news. The good news also says that God can give us power to live victorious lives. Did you know that? The Bible tells us that God can give us victory over any human problem. Did you know that? Isn't that good news? You may think you've got a problem tonight. I want you to know something. The good news is that God is bigger than any human dilemma. God is bigger than any problem. Don't you think that's good? That ought to get you supercharged tonight. That ought to make you glad. That is why Christians ought to be the gladdest people in the world. Haven't you met some Christians who had such long faces? And they're always pessimistic. And, when, and sometimes you go into some of those so-called Christian churches and you need a pair of ice skates to get down the front. <laughs> Ever gone there? When the preacher starts preaching, it starts snowing. It is true. You know the problem with those churches? They have never received or believed the good news. And when a person has the good news, listen to me, when a person has the good news, God gives him as a special gift the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit warms him up. Isn't that true? Yeah, that's true. You, you believe that? Yeah, that's right. It's good to hear somebody say amen. What on earth were we talking about? <laughs> Come back to this text. Don't you fellows get me sidetracked again. Matthew 24, verse 14, Jesus said, This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. Then Jesus said, what's going to happen? then the end will come. I do not believe in the concept of this world going on in its present awful condition without any end. Do you? No, friend. God is too good for that. God is too wise for that. God is going to bring an end to sin. And God is going to bring in the eschatological kingdom. That's what the Bible teaches. Now, come over now to page 1039, John chapter 6, 39 and 40. John chapter 6, verse 39 and 40. <clears throat> Have you got that text? Now, Jesus is talking here about the last days, and Jesus says in his wonderful style, Jesus says, This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing. I think that's terrific. The Bible says, Jesus said, I know my sheep and they know me. And I should raise, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life. Isn't that great? And the Bible says, and I will raise him up at the last day. Now, the Bible, my friend, talks about the last day. This is, the not, this is not the teaching of some funny little sect. No, that's not the teaching of some theologian. The Bible talks about the concept of the last day. 
Did you know there is going to be a day on earth that will have no morrow? There is going to be a day, my friend, that will not be like any other day because it will be the last day. And the last day is going to be when God steps into human history the second time and God says, ring down the curtain on human affairs and I am now going to take over and rule in the affairs of men. That'll be, that'll be the last day. Abdul Pazwak was the president of the United Nations for some time. He said these words, If fools and folly rule the world, the end of man and our time may come as a rude shock, but it will no longer come as a complete surprise. And he was right. Everybody, well, not everybody, but almost everybody believes today that this world, my friend, is teetering. Teetering on a precipice. Almost everybody, all the scientists, all of the great philosophers, they all believe that events in this world are moving us, my friend, towards a great event. The Bible says that great event is the second coming of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, I want you to come over now to Matthew 24 and verse 3, page 959. Matthew 24 and uh, verse 3. And this is called the Olivet Discourse because Jesus spoke it on the Mount of Olives. Matthew 24 and uh, verse 3. Jesus we're talking here about Jesus. It says, now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, that's the little hill just to the east of Jerusalem. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, you'll see it in the movie tonight, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the world or of the end of the age? Now, ladies and gentlemen, I was reading a very, very wonderful scientific report recently. And this great scientist said that the earth was going to come to an end. And he was right. And he said the earth was going to drift closer and closer and closer to the sun. And finally, we would all burn up. And then I picked up another report from another great scientist and he said the earth was going to drift farther and farther and farther from the sun and we'd all freeze up. You can take your pick. Both are wrong. Others believe, others are absolutely convinced that, that the Americans and the Russians are going to destroy this earth. I want to tell you folks something. The Russians are not going to destroy this earth. The Americans are not going to destroy this earth. The Chinese are not going to destroy this earth. Jesus Christ is going to come and save his people. You see... And the Bible talks about the last day and it says that the last day is exactly the same as the second coming of Jesus Christ, the blessed Son of God. That ought to make us glad. 
I've had so many people come to me and they say, they've said it to me around the world. I've had university students say to me, I am terrified. Why are the suicide rates up among teenagers? Why are the suicide rates so high in the United States of America? Why are people, my friend, turning to drugs? Why is the drug industry the biggest industry in the United States of America? Do you want to know why? People have lost their faith. People, my friend, do not suicide when they believe in the Word of God. People do not turn to drugs when they are feeding on the Word of God. You know why? Because when you know the gospel of Jesus Christ, when you know the Son of God, you are on a high. You see? And it's true. And I've had so many people sit down with me and they've said to me, and a lot of those people have been the stiffest, churchiest people you'll ever meet. And they've said to me, we go to church, but there's nothing inside. As the poet said, they are the hollow men. I want you to know tonight when a person gets to know Jesus Christ. And when God the Father gives that person the gift of the Holy Spirit, he's not turning to drugs. Because when you turn to Jesus Christ, you've got something a million times better better than anything you can find in this world. I want to say to everybody here tonight, listen to me, I want to say to you, if you don't know Jesus, you haven't really started to live. Just because you go to church, it doesn't mean that you're a Christian. You may be an elder in the biggest church in town. You may have the biggest bank account. And you may be a person who thinks he's got everything. You know, the great Roman Catholic theologian, philosopher, St. Augustine said, Our souls were made for God. And they cannot rest until they rest in Him. Did you know that? Our souls were made for God. Man was made for God. Man was made to live with God. Man was made for fellowship with God. Man was made not to die. Man was made to live with God for eternity. And when sin came in, man lost himself. And man only finds himself when he finds Jesus Christ. It's true. And I want to say to people sitting out here tonight, whether you are a Baptist or a Catholic or a Presbyterian or a Methodist or an Adventist or I don't know what, I want to say to you tonight, when you come up in the judgment, when I come up in the judgment, God is not going to say to you, were you a Baptist? Amen. Hear that? God is not going to say, were you a Charismatic? He's not going to say, were you a Pentecostal? He is not going to say, were you an Adventist? God is going to say, did you follow Jesus? That's what he's going to say. 
That is ground zero, and that is the bottom line. Is it true? Well, a lot of you think it's true, and some of you aren't quite so sure. It's true. You know why it's true? The Bible says it. Now come over here now to John 14, verses 1 to 3. John 14, page 1051. 1051, John chapter 14, verses 1 down to 3. John chapter 14, verses 1 down to 3. John the 14th chapter, verses 1 down to 3. You still listening there, Jim? You still listening? You keep listening. John 14. Well, he's out there talking to my wife. John 14, verses 1 down to 3. Got that passage? He was talking to my wife. Now, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Isn't that something? Jesus said, don't worry. God is in control. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus said, I'm going to come back. That's going to be the last day. And that is going to be the greatest, the most wonderful day that this world has ever seen. Some time ago, ladies and gentlemen, my American friends, some time ago when I was in the Philippines, they took me up into the mountains where during the Second World War, there was a great prisoner of war camp. In that prisoner of war camp, there were hundreds of allied missionaries. The Japanese had decided that as the Americans were coming back under General MacArthur, they had decided that they were going to wipe these men, they were going to wipe them out. They were going to annihilate the, the missionaries and the prisoners of war. They knew roughly when the Americans were coming. And they said, we are going to get rid of them. We're going to get rid of these missionaries. And they had decided upon this day that they were going to strike them dead. They were going to machine gun them down. And a friend who was there told me the story. He said the Japanese would come out in preparation at sunup and they would raise their flag upon which is the symbol of the sun and they would worship the sun. And they knew something big was going to happen. And then the final day came and they marched all of these missionaries out and they came out and the men stood in front of them with machine guns. MacArthur had landed. And now they were going to wipe them out at the 11th hour. And as they were getting those men to line up, and as they were getting the machine guns in place, one of the missionaries told me, all of a sudden, there was a roar from the skies. And coming over the trees came the aeroplanes. American aeroplanes. And out of those American aeroplanes 
became angels and khaki. And they came down into the field and the Japanese dropped their guns and ran. And those missionaries and those POWs were saved, saved my friend, by men from the skies when everything seemed hopeless. Now listen, the Bible says it's going to be like that in the last days. It is going to appear right at the very end that everything is hopeless. I'm, listen, don't you dare miss the meetings next week. Please don't. Right at the very end, the Bible says a great force, the Antichrist, is going to take over the whole wide world and he's planning right at the 11th hour to wipe out God's little remnant people. Right at the very end, the Bible says when the clouds are black and everything seems hopeless, Jesus Christ is going to come and he's coming with his angels and he's coming to save his people. You see? So when we talk about the end of the world, it is not doom and gloom, is it? When we talk about the end of the world, it, it puts, my friend, a spring in the step and we feel like shouting, Hallelujah. Now, before the second coming, something very significant is going to happen. Most Christians are not aware of this. The Bible says, let me say it again, right before the second coming, a little while, we don't know how long, but a little while before the second coming, something of tremendous significance is going to happen to the human race. The door of mercy is going to close. Now, I'm going to prove that to you tonight. Most people, most Christians have the idea that they can repent right up to the time when Jesus comes. That is not so. I am going to show you tonight that before Jesus comes, the door of mercy is going to close for the human race. Now, I want you to come to an introductory text. I want you, please, to come over here to page 1219. Revelation 22, verses 10 to 12, page 1219. Please turn it up, page 1219. 1219. Revelation 22, verses 10 down to 12. Revelation 22, verses 10 down to 12. Now, this great chapter is talking about the last days and the coming of Jesus. Revelation 22, verse 10 down to 12. Notice what the Bible has to say on this point. Revelation 22, verses 10 down to 12. You folk got it? The Bible says, and he said to me, Do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. Then it says, he who is unjust, let him be unjust still. That's a strange statement. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. And then it says, he who is holy, 
Let him be holy still. The Bible says that there is a decree that goes forth from God himself and it says, he who is holy, let him be holy. He who is righteous, let him be righteous. He who is filthy, let him be filthy. And then it says, verse 12, and behold, I am coming quickly. He hasn't got here yet, but he says, I am coming quickly. And my reward is with me to give to every man according to his work. Now think this through. Now this is only the opening text in this point. Here we've got Jesus, and he's going to come soon. I am coming soon, he says. But before he comes, God says, He who is holy, let him be holy. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. And then he says, after that dramatic announcement, Jesus says, I am coming soon. I am going to show you that the Bible teaches that a little while before the second coming of Jesus, the fate of the human race is fixed for time and for eternity. Now that sounds rather revolutionary, doesn't it? But you bear with me, please. I want you to come now to page 1130. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Verse 1 and 2. You know, it's beautiful to hear the pages of the Bible being turned over. I think it's absolutely wonderful. It's beautiful noise. Music to my ears. Page, uh, what was it, double one three zero. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Now, have you got that? Now, the great apostle Paul says, here he says, listen to this, he says, We then, as workers together with God, he says, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. He says, you can receive the grace of God in vain. That means you can hear it, but not accept it. Now, notice the next verse. He says, for he says, in an acceptable time I have heard you. And in the day of salvation, I've helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. 